Okay, everybody, good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. Hopefully the microphone's picking up my voice pretty well. Uh, just one caveat before we pray. I want to start with an apology. I meant to try to get in the habit of uh, sending out the questions early to kind of maybe set a precedent for whoever's teaching next week. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barnabas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us, troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, to one accord to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had it, read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And they, after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord 
and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. Paul, but Paul thought the, that but Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from the Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work to do the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria, Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Hold on, Sister Morris. Folks on that. Just visiting family in Kentucky. We had this wonderful trip planned, and then the girls got both the H1N1 virus, and that was a regrettable trip. And then we went back to the same family, and this one, not my dad passed away while we were in Kentucky visiting. So, yeah, it's got a couple of bad trips there. <laughs> Can you hold on for one second? Trying to learn the system here. They were probably going astray. They didn't need reinforcement of the word. That's a common theme throughout the entire New Testament. Yeah. 
body needed to be unified so everyone needed to participate and um, understand um, how they were going to be moving forward regarding this question. The Hebrews, the Jews, 
because they had a certain standard set by Moses that they had been living by for, a th what, a thousand, two thousand years. And as Christ came to complete all that with the New Testament, they were already stuck in their old ways, the circumcision, the dieting, all the laws of Moses, um, which no longer applied, even though Paul did say that they taught him what sin was. All the laws did not actually have to be kept up like, like the Jews were. They were used to all this ritual. Based on the false doctrine that the uh, Jewish people, that the Jews were propagating in that congregation, they all needed it because they needed to understand the new doctrine of Christ, because they were n neither of them, Jew nor Gentile, at this point in the biblical history, were they included, were they required to obey the law of Moses with the circumcision. That was passed out of the way. That was gone, no longer in effect. So we can see here that this letter is good for reassuring the Gentiles, right? But it's also good for reassuring I believe that um, Peter had said previously that uh, this would be a big yoke to put on the Gentiles. It was one that they couldn't bear themselves. Their forefathers couldn't bear it. And um, these folks that just came to Christ, you know, based on their faith and trusting in what he did for them. Um, the idea of taking all that on must have been like, wow. <laughs> This is going to be kind of rough. <laughs> I'm changing microphones for those of you in Moonway. Seemed I'll grab one that the battery was low, but now everyone should be able to hear me much better. Okay. So. Who was guiding this entire action and why is that significant? Question number three. Who was guiding this entire action and why is that significant? Who is really making all these things happen? Okay. 
believe God was doing it. Um, he was allowing them to work out a conflict that was a big one and um, put into practice loving one another and searching the scriptures uh, to figure out how to move forward. It was something that they knew how to do. They knew how to love each other. And it's just a matter of whether or not they were going to do that. And if they were going to listen to those that God had put in authority uh, and respect what they have to say and respect their process. Sister? Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. All right, so. Oh, you got one more comment. Go ahead. The reason why they went to Jerusalem was to settle the matter with the apostles who were the ambassadors for Christ. They were responsible for teaching the gospel. Everything had been set as far as rules and regulations for how one becomes a Christian and how they worship and those important things. So the apostles were the ones who were responsible for settling that doctrine, that false doctrine of having to be circumcised in order to become a Christian. So in verse 28, it says, for it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements. So that they said is, their, is the Holy Spirit's decision and they're acting in agreement with the Holy Spirit and so we talk about all scripture being given by inspiration, right? This letter, this letter, if you read it, it looks like it's included verbatim from Luke. So why would Luke see this as important enough to include in, in a verbatim transcript? I would say that he, he, he might have chosen to include this as a verbatim transcript because it's coming from a place of biblical authority, right? Luke is including this as though it is scripture, as though this is a command for, to be followed by all Christians, right? That, that, is, that is what I think it, it, it is, why I think it's included. Um, there are other things included in this chapter that are kind of peculiar too, but they also speak to the inspiration uh, of God's word. Yes, brother. I was going to repeat what you just said since I got my hand at the microphone. Thank you. Thank you. Brother. <laughs> Thank you. So in which case, what are the consequences for disobeying the instructions in the letter? Right. If, if, if the letter tells if the letter from the apostles, right, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells them to do a certain thing and they choose not to do it, what are the consequences of that? Well, it's salvation is at stake. There's very simple things that we're asked to do to be saved, to follow God's will, very simple stuff. And then we are blessed and given his grace that we don't deserve and didn't earn. So following the doctrine set by 12 from the day of Pentecost, when they were given the charisma gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we only get the Doria gift of the Holy Spirit, so we have to abide with the Holy Spirit and with God's will 
And since there was miscommunication, there was false teachers, which we were warned about from the very beginning, they had to all pull together and unify the main things, the important things, not whether we drink Coke or Pepsi every day, but you know, the Lord's Supper given to the poor, the preaching, the praying, the circumcision thing. You know, some people wanted to enforce that because everybody gets stuck in their ways. And when Jesus came with the new way, and it was different than anything that had gone on before, it was hard for people to move to that. And the apostles had to unify with the Holy Ghost driving it. And it became a unified church. You, you talked about unity. So the consequences of this is a, a, a reversion back to this, this unity, right? That's the consequence of this. And, and, and to do that and to bring everyone back to this, un, this unity would be sin in this instance, okay? Um, so again, talking about the Holy Spirit, Silas decided to stay, right? And as we'll, we'll talk about a little later, Silas ends up becoming... Uh, a, a brother in the church who is, is very useful in proselytizing and teaching and helping Paul and just doing a variety of different things uh, for the furtherance of the gospel. So question number four, what reasons may Paul have had to visit the brethren in every city in which they preached? It, that question kind of reminds me of, of us today. I mean, you always need to hear God's word being taught um, teached and, you know, given to you on a, on a regular. So his reasons were to go and make sure that they understood and continue to know what God word tells them to do. Same thing, like what our preachers do today, even when they travel to different, you know, missionary works, preaching God's word. Yep. Brother Carl in the back. And also in conjunction with what she said, uh, it's interesting, as, as I was doing some of my research, I ran across the fact that in the Churches of Christ, we don't have a, a regular assembly. In a lot of religious organizations, they have an annual conference, and they come together and say, okay, this is a policy, or this is a doctrine, or this is something that we're going to do and stand by. For instance, one particular uh, denominational group came together and had to make a decision as to whether or not they were going to embrace LGBTQ uh, uh, philosophy or behaviors and stuff within their organization. And it's interesting that because the churches of Christ are all autonomous, we don't have like a Pope or somebody that's, you know, a general overall conference coordinator and stuff, uh, that we don't have a general conference, but we do have lectureships. And characteristically, those lectureships were to come together with members of the body of Christ and say, this is what we believe, this is what we do, this is where we stand on these issues. And as the world changes and new, new uh, behaviors and philosophies and cultures and, and doctrines begin to influence the body of Christ, it's important for them, somebody with the authority like Paul to come around and say, yeah, this is what we're doing, this is where we stand, this is what we believe. So Paul and Barnabas go on his first missionary journey to Asia Minor and Syria. And you see how, how, how many challenges they have throughout that journey, right? It, it wouldn't be a far, far stretch to say, those people that they left there who have been baptized into Christ, were probably going through some things, right? They're probably, these are brand new Christians 
and they're being met with all these different challenges, right? So in, in terms of mission work, you can go and you can establish a congregation, but then what? This kind of goes back to the example that we have in the book of Acts as to the things that we're supposed to be doing. So it's one thing to set out on a mission, start a congregation, and then you're never really heard from again or seen again. It's a whole nother thing to go back, assess their well-being, assess their needs, attend to their needs, attend to their well-being, reassure them, right? Give them more information, give them more gospel, whatever you can to help them grow, right? If if there if there's been famine, if there's if there's been you know financial challenges, resource challenges, do things to provide for their needs so they can continue to work and so they can continue to grow. Yes. Can you hold up one second? I was just gonna say um, that it's it's they're showing you the word of God, like they're demonstrating love. It's not yes, the, you know the letter is important. It's encouragement. They felt this this is the word that came from the Holy Spirit. This is what you need to do. But it's also important as people to to show and to live what the Bible says. And by them meeting with the uh, brethren in every city that they preached and meeting their needs, they're showing that they care and that they're living by the word. Amen. So I won't name names, but we've, we've had plenty of brothers and sisters over the course of, you know, these past couple of years who have, you know, needed help and support from the church, who needed visitation, who needed to know that the church cared, right? And, that, and I think this, is, this, is, this ties back into, into what Paul is thinking as well. Also, they didn't have the written word that we have. They had the Old Testament, which was mostly, uh, maybe it was written by then, but it was oral tradition. They didn't have the New Testament, which we have. We have Christ's words, generally in red. We have the inspired apostles that were there on the day of Pentecost in black. And then we have Luke, the historian, who paid attention to detail to make sure that everything was right. These churches didn't have that. They started to gather the letters that Paul wrote and stuff like that, and they started to pass them around. And, um, and then we ended up with what we call the Bible. So what you're seeing right there goes back into when we talk about the missionary work. That drives a necessity for Paul to write all these letters. That's why the letters are there, because he understood that they continuously needed to have this building up, this continuous correction, this, this absence of guidance, if you will, right? And so we see a very early example of this guidance being put forth by the apostles and by the elders. I wanna to move to question number five. Why do you think Paul and Barnabas took separate journeys and do you think it was good for the church? The word of God was meant to spread around the entire world. So the more people that are inspired, that have the word of God, they can go farther and further, um, which goes back to the Roman Empire was the first time the world was ever connected in such a way that the word could spread. There were real roads. There was a lot of things going on. And for them to separate, they got to cover more ground. Okay. Uh, as she answers, uh, can we someone get Acts chapter 13 and verse 13 for us? 
They took separate journeys because they disagree about who should go with them on the continued journey. So in verse 36, it says, sometimes later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. And so since they had such a sharp disagreement, they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. So that's why they went on separate journeys because they didn't agree on who they should take. So they chose other people and went their separate ways. Who has Acts uh, 13 and 13? You have it? Acts 13 and 13. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Okay, so Paul brings up that Mark kind of left them when they went on this journey, right? And Paul probably has some scar tissue, both physically and emotionally from that journey, considering all the things he experienced, right? So he has a certain level, I would say, of distrust for Mark, right? And, and maybe he questions whether or not if they're in a pinch, you know, what Mark might do. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what the read is on Paul there, but I do know that they disagreed sharply because that's what the Bible tells us. So the question I have then is, was it wrong for Paul and Barnabas to disagree so intensely? No, I don't think it was wrong. I think it was, uh, that was the Holy Spirit that actually caused that situation to occur the way it did because they actually separated and, and gained ground. Like the brother said, they gained ground. Mm -hmm. They gained ground based off of the fact that they separated. And when you think about it, it was a situation where they needed to gain more ground because they needed to spread the gospel more throughout the world. So in, in discerning the situation, mm -hmm. was this a personal dispute or was it a doctrinal it's, dispute? It's a personal dispute, absolutely. 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 But at the same time, when we think about it, who was orchestrating everything in the whole situation? Who orchestrated everything? So understanding the Holy Spirit is moving in these in these different circumstances, understanding God knows what we're going to do before we do it. Yes, this ultimately ended up being a very good thing for the church. But here's a question I ask. Would you have taken Mark like Barnabas decided to? Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? I, no, I would not have taken them, and I can understand their disagreement, and I think it was wise for them to go separate ways because, you know, the focus is they're supposed to go and preach the gospel and, you know, bring people to Christ, um, spread encouragement, and, you know, they had this, he came with them initially the first time, and then he left. It's like, where's your focus? Uh, did you come here to do the same thing as us? And if you're not here to do the same thing as us, then you have to go. Like, so go ahead, sister. And, and, and as she's talking, if we can get someone to get 1 Corinthians 9 in verse 6, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11, and Colossians verse 4 and 10. And hopefully this week I got all of those references right. 
that's 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11, and Colossians verse four, or chapter, or chapter 4 and verse 10. I think even though majority of people said no, they wouldn't take Mark. I think that's a good lesson for us to look at in terms of everybody's not going to always do right. So do we turn our back on them? Do we disregard them just because they weren't there for us when we needed them to be? But just like the brother said in the back, God orchestrated this particular event for a reason, or he told us about it for a reason. We as Christians are not going to always do what's right at the right time. Are we disregarded in the same way just because we don't do what's right at all times? So, I mean, that's a good lesson to look at. Will you be there for your brother when they don't stand by you the way you think they should, you know, in, in the pinch? So, you know, are we going to be so quick to say, no, I, I, won't, I wouldn't choose her because she didn't, she wasn't there for me when I needed her. So I think that's something to think about. It's a good point. So I would take what you said, and I'll also take, take it from the opposite perspective of, if you're Mark and you're setting out on this journey, you have to also think about the consequences of you not being a reliable member of this party or you not being a reliable person in, in terms of doing the work necessary for the ministry, right? So if a brother says, I'm gonna volunteer to do something, but then pulls out at the last minute, that brother shouldn't be surprised the next time something comes up if he's not asked to participate, regardless of you know his level of desire to, because again, this isn't a doctrinal preference thing, this is a personal preference thing. So I would say is this is a lesson on, specifically looking at Mark, when you do have opportunities to do something, you should do it all the way. Don't make a commitment, then pull back out of it, right? But then the other part of that is, if we find that, we shouldn't give up on the brother either. So thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. That was excellent because that is so true. Don't give up on the brother, but actually give him the give him the time to to evaluate the situation and always allow that situation to be brought forth. I think that situation gave him the opportunity to evaluate his uh, his uh, actions at that time, and um, he came around because at the end he said, "Bring John Mark because he is a great help for me." in reference to situ another situation that was going on in Paul's life. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So if we can go ahead and get uh, a reader for 1 Corinthians 9 and 6. <clears throat> That's 1 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Mm -hmm. Why only in Barnabas have not we power to forbear working? Who goes a warfare any time at his own charge. Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof, or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Second Timothy chapter four and verse eleven, who has that for us? Second Timothy four eleven. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Colossians 4 and verse 10, who has that? My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him 
If he comes to you, welcome him. Okay, so what do all these tell us? Go ahead, sister. They reconciled, right? So they had this sharp dispute, so much so they decided to go on completely separate journeys, right? But then we see through these other letters from Paul, they were still working together, all right? So they resolved their differences. They found ways to work together and they found ways to move forward together. Before we move to question six, I just wanna say one thing about Silas. Um, his significance shouldn't be underestimated. If you go to Acts chapter 16, we're not gonna read this, but if you go to Acts chapter 16, you'll see that he suffered with Paul. In Acts, and also in 1 Thessalonians, it tells us that he worked with Timothy as well. Obviously they went on that, that next missionary journey together. They brought Timothy with them. But the other thing I wanna point out, this carrying of official correspondence from the apostles wasn't the last time Silas would carry that letter. If somebody, uh, or carry official correspondence, somebody can get 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 12. Yes, sir. Brother Demetrius, I just wanted to come in on the, the, what we were just talking about, Bob, yes, Paul and Barnabas. Um, for me, I don't, I, we, we don't know fully what exactly happened with Mark, uh, but we do know they had a disagreement about it. Um, there are parts of this that I really learned it's something from in that I can see both I can calculate both sides and see it. however probably for me I come down on the side of looking at Barnabas all the apostles possibles <laughs> all the apostles deserted Christ Peter yeah. deserted Christ yes sir there was reconciliation um one of the things that for me in terms of uh, and I think for all of us as, as, as leaders, you, you struggle with even knowing before you begin the conversation that someone may be doing something that's not the best and you know what to say, but what's re really prominent in your mind is reconciliation. Yes, sir. What I'm about to say may hurt. How do I present this that I do as little damage as I possibly can? but I must be truthful about this. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there is a consequence, but especially from a leadership point of view, you're looking at restoration. And I, I see, that's why I see Barnabas as probably my direction to go in. Um, it is entirely possible, 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 we don't know, uh, that this is what restored Mark. And what's the message years later when Mark can say, I fell short on one occasion. Mm -hmm. Here's where I am now. Mm -hmm. And that's an example for other people. So once again, for me, that's why I come down on probably going with Barnabas direction. Yeah. However, there's another lesson as well for me with this. We see a disagreement. There was a sharp contention between the two, Paul and Barnabas. The Holy Spirit did not give us blow by blow. Didn't give us details. And so the lesson for me with that is, you have an issue, sort it out scripturally, move on and do my work. The focus is not on your disagreement in my building. The focus is not on your disagreement about how to do X, Y, Z. Sort it out, someone offends you, deal with it, move on. You should be about my work. Amen. Amen. So 
we should the focus should always be on reconciliation because we all need reconciliation, right? Um, does anyone have First Peter five and verse twelve yet? First Peter, first Peter and verse five. I'm sorry, first Peter five, verse twelve, correct? Yes, sir. Right. Savannah's a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. So we see Silas taking Peter's letter as well. So this could tell you how you know reliable of a brother Silas was. And so the Holy Spirit's foresight and him staying, right? And then going a step ahead of that, the, the apostles and the elders making that decision to send him up to Antioch. The Holy Spirit's hands in all of this. And so we move to uh, question number six. What does Acts chapter 15 teach us about the Holy Spirit, the early church, and Luke as a writer? Acts chapter 15, um, a lot of it has to do with the doctrine. And the law of Moses was a problem for the Jews to keep, for the Hebrews to keep. They couldn't stay within the law. They couldn't stay within the Ten Commandments. They couldn't stay within the 618 or whatever it was. And this new doctrine was given, and there was some disagreement. And it's like, oh, we had to follow these rules all our lives. They need to too and they're like no we don't so there was some reconciliation that had to take place for the new word of god that christ came to give us a new plan so we could really be saved and not follow some rules that nobody even really followed there's so many ways they cheated the laws of moses as it is and the early church was trying to form and come together as separate pieces yet under the same holy spirit and the guidance of the spirit I would say, in, in terms of guidance, the Holy Spirit was guiding Luke to, to document all these things because of how important it was to, to the unity of the faith. Mm. But I also want to note that there are negative things here that if someone, go ahead, brother. There's negative things there for us to know that right. what was written is righteously written by, the, by God. Exactly. And it gives us inspiration and and the holy righteousness to handle the things that we need to handle in the same pretense and in the same ways that they handled them then. Exactly. So Luke could have could have left out some of these, you know, the negative aspects, right? I mean, he and Paul, they had a very positive relationship. He was Paul's travel companion. I don't know, I have to wrap it up. Paul's travel companion, if, if it was a matter of personal preference. Maybe some of these ugly details would have been left out, right? And maybe some of some of the there are details that are uglier that were left out, so because we just don't need it, right? But the bottom line is, First Corinthians uh, chapter one and verse ten kind of sums up what I think this chapter is all about. Now I beseech you, brethren, through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, and that ye be perfected together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And the way that we have that same mind and same judgment is through only obeying God's word because it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's it for today, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for your comments. Thank you, Brother Demetrius.